Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Thank you for joining us with this week's special episode. Well, they're all special, but a special look at a topic of my own old stopping grounds in Tallahassee. But let us introduce ourselves. I am Rebecca Jones, and this is Dr. Cindy Banyai, and we are the Misinformational Podcast. How are you today, Dr. Cindy? Just another day in the flaming dumpster of paradise that Florida is. Yeah, that's life. So we are going to talk about something that's been an ongoing issue for five years now and is part of the reason that we are burdened with Ron DeSantis. And that is Andrew Gillum, who was the former mayor of Tallahassee while I lived there and was also the 2018 Democratic nominee for governor. Now, if you're not familiar, that was actually the closest governor's race in Florida's 178 year history. It mm-hmm. came down to 32,463 votes, which is just a fraction of the number of people who have died from COVID in the state of Florida under Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. and triggered an automatic recount. But there were things that were happening before election day that were unfortunate and it turns out false. So there were rumors of an ethics investigation into Andrew Gillum and potential criminal charges related to gifts or in-kind donations and the FBI and some all this other stuff that very well could have made a difference in the vote. But Democrats didn't really fight the extremely close election for very long before he conceded. And they didn't fight for any of it at all or ask any questions after Andrew Gillum's name was drugged through the mud. And it is now very clear for a lot of people who maybe didn't even think about this, that Andrew Gillum was set up. And it really, at this point, shouldn't be surprising because look at Thanos and his people. They will literally go to ridiculous self-harming lengths to punish, attack, retaliate against people who make them look bad. And Andrew Gillum made Ron DeSantis look really bad. And we have a write-up with this that goes more into the recount and the voting issues, which were notorious for that year. But there were two big things that happened. One was that by all measures now, 2018 Florida was the test run for what happened in 2020 nationwide. And this was discussed at length in some of the recent lawsuits and criminal investigations and the January 6th committee. Matt Gates was involved with it. Ron DeSantis was involved in it. A lot of Trump people were involved with it. They set up the stage for what happened in 2020. Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, a whole bunch of other people who are running for office during the 2018 elections were claiming there was voter fraud. They were saying that they needed to stop counting votes. Things that seem common now, but at the time were absolutely insane, were all piloted during this Florida election. Now, Trump claims that he stole the election for DeSantis that year that he sent federal officials to Broward, I believe it was, or Miami-Dade, one or the other, and stopped the recount so that it wouldn't be, end quote, stolen from DeSantis. But there's, of course, with 
everything Trump says, you have to take it with a grain of salt. There's at this point, no public corroborating evidence other than Trump's word, which is clearly not worth very much mm. or worth. How much did Eugene Carroll win? Five million? Five million. It might be worth five million if he lies about you. But at any rate, that was the test run. And then something else that kind of is reflective of Democrats during this period of time in Florida. And part of the reason we didn't continue to fight and demand investigations is because of what was done to Andrew Gillum personally after he lost the election. And that was a five-year-long persecution of criminal investigations and charges. Andrew Gillum last week was found not guilty of some of those charges and the jury deadlocked on the rest. And as of May 15th, the state of Florida has moved to dismiss all remaining charges. So he's a free man. He had his day in court and he won. Yeah. Incidentally, or maybe in bittersweet irony, someone else was convicted that very same day that Andrew Gillum was found not guilty. I was like, who? Who, Rebecca? Who is it, Cindy? Donald Trump. No, no, but close. Oh. Cowboys founder. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many, there's so many Republican criminals with malfeasant behavior that it's really hard to keep up with the convictions and the criminal and civil liability. Yes. So Enrique is one of the founders of the Proud Boys and was found guilty of seditious conspiracy related to January 6th. Why would these two matter? What them being on the same day or whatever? That's because Enrique has a specific history with Andrew Gillum. So I recently started talking to a man named Lev Parnas, which is if you're not aware of some of the previous ongoings of Trump's circle and people who have been charged and convicted and served prison sentence, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's fun. It's fun. It's totally fine. You, so you're like talking directly with Lev Parnas? Yes, I have a cell phone number. Fantastic. <laughs> Somebody mentioned to me that Lev Parnas, and I was investigating this at the time, knew about the setup against Andrew Gillum in a mm. hotel room in Miami, which we'll get to. And so when I went to look at his profile and clicked the message button, I had realized that he had been messaging me since 2020 and I just had never responded because why would I? (laughs) So Parnas comes with his own baggage too, in terms Um, of Russian influence, et cetera. Absolutely. He does. And uh, I I get a lot of those messages filtered, so I don't ever see them. Um, But I was like, holy crap, this guy's been messaging me the whole time. So I asked him if he wanted to talk about the whole Andrew Gillum thing, since he had mentioned it in a Twitter spaces with someone else. And he was absolutely thrilled to talk about it. On one night at a bar in Miami, Andrew Gillum was drugged. Now, this was not known at the time in his drink and was found later in a hotel room, passed out nude in a woman's supposedly his own vomit. After somebody apparently made a 911 distress call about a person in the hotel room, that the 911 call is still of an unknown person. There was a picture taken of him in that state. And by the way, I do block every single person who posts that picture onto my Twitter. So if you want to get blocked, that's the way to do it of him in that state that was taken and leaked by Jacob Engels who is another member of the terrorist organization, the Proud Boys, and a close ally of Roger Stone. He's also one of those gay conservative people. Yeah, it's a whole contradiction, but you look at that Milo Yapapalapa, this guy, or whatever his name is, there's a whole circle there. 
Because they're white supremacists first and foremost. Right. And so the other <laughs> stuff doesn't matter. But Jacob Angles leaked the picture out to Enrique, to Candace Owens, who is another Trump person, mm -hmm. and a British tabloid that has become the favorite for GOP for planting fabricated stories, as we've discussed many times, and some other far-right media apparatus. Most of the press would not run it because A, it was unverified, and B, that is a crime. It is illegal to take a picture of somebody naked without their consent and to disseminate it on the internet. That's actually cyber sexual harassment. Andrew Gillum was a victim of that crime. But once the photo leaked, Democrats just abandoned him. He yeah. was already struggling, and he was open about this with depression and alcoholism after the election, probably for things that he didn't feel comfortable publicly discussing, okay. but now don't seem all that unrealistic, especially election shenanigans, because Democrats are not allowed to, and they need to come to terms with, the fact that elections can and have been meddled with before yeah. in the past in America. In 2018 in Florida, the attempts in 2020, um, we're very familiar with the failed attempts in 2020, but there may have been successful attempts that we'll never know about because they didn't have a Georgia governor leak mm -hmm. a audio call of the president's conversation. So this can and does happen. And Gillum probably publicly was afraid or cautioned against saying anything like that and was probably also cautioned against saying anything about the too much about what happened in the hotel room. Now, you're going to see people on this story and everywhere else talk about how Andrew Gillum was a meth head or a crackhead. They love to invent every possible drug yeah. head that he could have been. And they'll falsely claim on social media that he admitted it. This is false. This is completely false. There was one interview that Andrew Gillum did after this all happened, talking about his struggle with alcohol, but unequivocally denied that he has ever done heavy drugs. And you can believe that whether or not you want, but there's also no supporting or collaborating information to suggest otherwise that's mm -hmm. been proof. People through throw up when they're drunk. That is a thing that happens, not necessarily because of drugs, but they do falsely call him a crackhead or a meth head and I'm not really sure of what exactly those differences are, but my understanding is that they're different. So I mean, there's crack. I don't know what crack is. So. Oh my God. Crack is cocaine. <laughs> Isn't it like a solid form? Yeah. It's like a cheaper version made with baking soda. Oh God. It's popular okay. before you were born. <laughs> if you haven't heard our discussion about the D.A.R.E. program when we did the Wake anniversary. <laughs> oh, I, I learned that in D.A.R.E. I learned that. I must have never been at a dare school or I didn't pay attention because I don't know jack shit about the differences between drugs. Oh, um, yeah, I do. So meth is fair, methamphetamine. <laughs> when the pre the program was discontinued, I was still in grade school. It's possible I had a dare class when I was like in second grade. But at the time I was in, I think, sixth grade, they had discontinued that whole program. I was so, a dare champion. I know like, you were. But in dare, by the way, when you were, were. it was a total counterintuitive and active and it made things right. worse it was a waste of a lot of money the entire thing was essentially a government sponsored scam which we broke down and if you're like oh but the deer program blah, blah, blah. no it, it didn't just not work it made things worse and you can go back and listen to that episode to read that post about it but at any rate i don't know the difference between these drugs but i know that they're different enough that people shouldn't be intermixing which type of head he was sure but either way, there's absolutely no proof, evidence whatsoever that he's ever done hard drugs. But they'll lie and tell you that he's admitted to it, and he never has. Trust me, I, I went through the depths of stories to review this. <laughs> and, and I think that, that that was 
when that all came out, it was terrible because it was during the election, the 2020 election. And yeah, Democrats just went, whoa, don't want to touch that with the 20 foot pole because there's been so much swirling around about Andrew Gillum with the court case that we're discussing here as well. And I think also, so the drug thing was bad, but the other shocking thing was, of course, that it was a, apparently a homosexual encounter. And this to was like- is the least concerning part of this because it was established that these were consenting adults and that it was a man. Oh, now I know he's married and he has kids. He has married and he's got kids. And yeah, also- like, Okay, first of all, Matt Gates. Second, we don't even need to elaborate beyond There's that. a lot of dudes that are on the down low, but I think it, so- it was also apparently and so actually, the black community that is extremely challenging not welcomed yeah, but me as a person who frankly doesn't give two shits what two consenting adults do adults and consenting being the pri priority words there that that part i didn't care about because that's but, just basically homophobic shit and I'm sure, I'm sure. But it was a part of the swirl. What, he what? later come out, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but the, the, he came out as a bisexual man in a later Esquire article. Yes, he did. Um, and where which he was huge, alcoholism too. And mm -hmm. everything else. But again, never once said he had done drugs and never once said that he went up there with a hooker to do drugs or anything related to that. So this is where Lev Parnes and the Trump slash DeSantis overlap comes in. So this photo that was mysteriously leaked was yeah. alleged to have been a photo taken by police officers, which they still vehemently deny, hmm. which means that somebody else took that picture and then distributed it. Probably the person who, according to Lev Parnes, set the whole thing up. And that would be Candace Owens. She was apparently staying in the same hotel when this happened and was also there with the Jacob Mangles and the Proud Boy guys. And he was at a bar having drinks with somebody. It would not be difficult to spike someone's drink. I had my drink spiked at a democratic function actually, which thank God it wasn't so severe that I needed to go to the hospital. Although I was like this close to doing it. The photos from it are disturbing. I swelled up like elephant man. You wouldn't believe it. And I say that and people are like, Oh yeah, sure. And then I would show you and you'd be like, Holy shit. That's what a nerve agent does to your whole body, by the way. So spiking drinks isn't that difficult to do. And he probably didn't feel comfortable talking about how that might have happened. A, guilt. B, he didn't want to talk about the situation at all for quite some time. And C, he would sound crazy. Right. But oh, somebody spiked me, they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Democrats have this take responsibility, do your time in the doghouse kind of thing. And, and that's pretty much what he did. Now, of course, five years after the election, he's been completely vindicated. The states, you know what? We don't have a case. We're dismissing the charges we couldn't convict him on and the ones that he was found not guilty on. Jury of his peers. And he Which should have never big deal. been left. Yeah, it is a big deal. It was a huge deal. He should have never been left to fend for himself. The Democratic Party should have stood by him. He was a victim of a sex crime by sharing those photos all over the internet, which are still shared all over the internet, because I have to keep blocking people who share them. Yeah. Anytime you mention his name, that those photos pop up. Yes. Which, again, under Florida cyber sexual harassment statutes is a crime. I know a little bit about that statute because one of my abusive exes tried to say that describing sex with him for a blog 
was a violation of that statute. Turns out it's not, so I was never charged with that, but he did try. But photographs, absolutely, that is illegal. And it's not just illegal, it's wrong. And that is a person that you are sharing nude photos of without their consent, and it's disgusting. But you're probably not going to see any enforcement of that either by Twitter or, of course, by the state of Florida. But uh, yeah, so all of this wasn't true. So he was found not guilty. The states decided that they don't have enough convincing evidence to even try again with the ones that they couldn't get him on. The whole meth head thing was never true. The whole setup with the camera with Candace Owens being in the hotel and then Jacob Angles being the one who shares the picture. And then you have Terrio or however we say his last name, a convicted terrorist who conspired seditious conspiracy <laughs> yeah these are the people who were involved with the obtaining and sharing and distributing that photograph which again is sick and i'll immediately block you but the thing that makes me most angry about it i think is that the way the democrats handled it because florida democrats and democrats in general but to a lesser extent in other states are scared of their own damn shadows we look at how people, how Republicans rally against Matt Gates or for him and protect him. And we think that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But there is something between guy who sleeps with underage girls and pays them for sex, who prosecutes and sex traffics underage girls and possibly boys and saying firmly, we stand with Andrew Gillum that sharing these photographs constitutes a crime in the state of Florida. It is a sick and violating breach of all things that are journalistic integrity and blah, blah, blah. They never did anything like that. No. Hung them out to dry. And he was the victim of all this and we did nothing, which I had to deal with a lot of that crap. Thankfully, I think under Nikki, they're starting to get their shit together. I was going to say, there's a different level of leadership. Yes. At that time. Best by the fact that Democrats flipped the city of Jacksonville yesterday in a May election, which usually is not great for Democratic turnout. Apparently, we only like to show up during presidential elections. And Congratulations, uh, Donna Deegan. Yes. She's a former congressional candidate, too, in 2020. Had an opportunity to meet and connect with her then. She's an amazing person, very dedicated to the city, and there couldn't be a better leader for the city of Jacksonville. Yep. And she is a Democrat. Now, and DeSantis carried that city by double digits in the Ooh. re-election. And Democrats swept not only the governor's office, but there were other citywide offices that were up for election as well. And they won those. So that's impressive. And it's great to see a real tide shift with the Florida Democratic Party now. And wow, hey, if you actually invest in campaigns and run good candidates, we can win. And get a leader who will fight on the front lines and get arrested and go to jail for you. What she yeah. did, her and yep. Lauren Book and a group of activists who were just sitting down in the plaza at the Capitol, which, by the way, is connected to a plaza full of restaurants. The Challenger Center is over there. I used to take my son to daycare there when we lived in Tallahassee for like five years. And it's an open space that people use to walk through to parking to restaurants, all kinds of stuff. It's never been closed, ever. I lived in Tallahassee. I worked near that area. Never has that space been closed. But they put up signs the day before the protest for abortion rights and said it was going to be closed at sundown and arrested them. And there was a whole lot of backlash about that because they were literally sitting and it was like eight people. They weren't disrupting anything. And other people are walking by in the background going to the places they're going. And the fact that we finally have somebody who realizes that sometimes fighting on the front line is necessary in a leader and good is mm -hmm. fantastic. 
I love that she's destigmatizing getting arrested, which is something, of course, I was attacked for over and over again. And I was like, I am proud of the mugshots that I have that I earned from fighting back against something that was unjust. And of course, other candidates, especially men are allowed to use them. Maxwell Frost is very proud of his mugshot and puts it on his like campaign website and stuff. I and did mine. I was arrested in DC protesting the overturning of the world. In a wheelchair. There they just ticket you, right? You're the yeah, you don't get a mugshot on that, but I was on the cover of Washington Post. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, that's another thing that people should realize that in other places, they do not take you to jail for protesting. They right. will give you a ticket and that's it. You don't get booked. You don't get fingerprint. This is a, pol people talk about the fear of the police state, Florida, Louisiana, a lot of these Southern states that will arrest you and throw you in jail for peaceful protest. Yep. That's a police state. That is big government. Other places yep. you do it and they give you a ticket if you're breaking certain rules, like obstructing traffic or unpermitted or things like that. But at any rate, so I'm hoping to hear from Nikki Freed a statement of support of Andrew Gillum and his vindication now that he's been found not guilty and all other charges have been dismissed because especially in the last few months, people like Lev Parnas have come forward and said, yeah, that whole thing was a setup. We did the whole thing. He was drugged. That makes him a victim of a crime. He was probably sexually interacting with people while they knew he was in an altered state because of drugs. That is sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Then he was photographed nude in that photo shared all over the internet. That is sexual cyber harassment. And yet nobody was there for him. Now, I wasn't that involved in politics. I voted for him, to be honest, at that point in time because I wasn't famous yet. But even I thought that whole thing sounded fishy. But It was we weird. Had, it did. We had, And then really the photos that came out was like... I was like, well, my first thing was like, oh, it came from the police. That's not appropriate. Like, how did they get that? And why would they let that out? It did seem very fishy from that angle. I thought with. it sounded bizarre. I was like, okay, where'd you get that? How'd you get that? And how is it that you're sharing it and you're not in trouble for it? Now, that's my natural me questioning everything that I see and hear all the time, which kind of gets me in trouble occasionally, if you haven't heard. But at any rate, so the whole thing was a setup. No, no person is perfect, in Democrat politicians included. So expecting anybody to be perfect and abandoning them at the first sign of flaw is something that has doomed Democrats, especially in rural states, but especially in Florida over the last like 10, 15 years, let's be honest. I want to um, say this too. I really think that Democrats and just regular folks all across Florida need to have a bit of an awakening about how powerful round yeah i need to get woke but about how powerful ron DeSantis is and some of these actors are and the lengths that they're willing to go to to discredit their detractors or anybody that they think is opposing them i just don't think people are really ready for that i think i would almost say that i think that's probably why people when they saw everything going on with andrew gillum they just walked away because it was too much. But I think if people start to say, hey, there's there are things going on here that are entrapping people or getting people to look bad. And we have to understand the nature 
of the beast, so to speak, that we're dealing with here in Florida. And that's the entire kind of point of this show. We do talk about national issues because they affect us here in Florida, but we focus almost a lot on Florida. There's Um, there's just so much. Yeah, as I say, there's plenty (laughs) going on. You could easily do the same thing in Texas, to be honest. And I I kind of hope there's like a comparative crew of badass blonde females over there (laughs) doing the same thing. Shout out to whoever you are. But yeah, it's it seemed, I think, almost ridiculous, the idea that this would become a political norm at that point in time. After 2016, I think a lot of the rules we were still seeing become increasingly thrown out the window, but we weren't in full-blown, they will just make up anything, like literally make things up to hurt people mode, which is where Mm -hmm. we're at now. I mean, calling, accusing Disney of enabling pedophiles to sexually groom children because they kicked your ass in a lawsuit, not once, but twice, kind of exhibits that extent to which they'll just make shit up. Like with me, they just make shit up. And they did it to Andrew Gillum. But unfortunately, he was at the head of what was happening in Florida. So he didn't get the backup that he needed. They needed to destroy him because if he had run again, he could have been very formidable, right? Because that margin was so close. That's what Perness said, is that he was on the team to destroy him. Not just make sure they won to beat, to destroy him. Right. And afterwards, they needed to make sure that nobody really wanted to challenge anything that had happened in 2018 or ask too many questions for 2022 by making Andrew Gillum toxic and radioactive to anybody he touched. Since I posted about his winning his case, I got, first of all, tons of posts with just that photograph, which was disgusting. But a lot of people called him a meth head and a crackhead and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, wow, imagine this machine still going against him. That's how insecure and afraid they are of what he was capable of. It's the same reason after three years, they still do that shit to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But Gillum's been very candid about the things that he's gone through emotionally since then. He's been suicidal and his whole life has been turned upside down. And he was very widely respected. I had multiple interactions with him while I was just a whistleblower. He was very supportive. And, uh, but even I, like at first was thought that he was on the outs, which he pretty much was, but it's a shame. It's a shame. And it's part of the reason why we can't win things or hold things. Why we can't have nice things in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Why we don't have nice things in Florida. But, um, yeah, but so let me just say this to shout out to Andrew Gillum and his family. I know they've been through a lot. I do think that they earned the vindication in the case recently. This is a huge bombshell with Lev Parnas coming out and saying that there was this kind of set up around that particular case in Miami. And it's a shame no one deserves to go through that. And my just my heart goes out to him, his family and everything that they've been through. Yeah, I messaged him the day that the not guilty verdict came out just to tell him, I'm sorry that people weren't rallying around you when they should have been. And that I hope that they dismiss the rest of the charges, which they have since done. And that you get your life back for whatever that looks like, which is a hard thing to do when you've been villainized by these people. And again, he being villainized for something that's not villainy. The fact that he's bisexual, that's not a, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. I don't know how else to say this. That's not a bad thing. And that's the only true part of that whole story that they have is that he was bisexual. Everything else is a lie. I'm bisexual. I don't care. But maybe that's also why I don't care. But I guess it's the continuation of attacking LGBTQ people. Yeah, Um, of course. I think I said- And the vulnerability that is with him being a married black man. But apparently there was like 
this was something that had he himself personally wasn't necessarily shrouding, but that it was something that the public wasn't super privy to prior to that incident. Yeah. And he, it's not exactly like a lot of people can come forward with this stuff and be believed. I'm, I know absolutely that if after the raid, if I had just described to people in words what had happened, I would have seen like a crazy person, which is maybe what they were counting on, but I had video. And so I didn't even have to describe it. We just showed the video and it was so shocking that it spoke for itself. Somebody Uh, told me that, by the way, they said, thank God Rebecca videotaped the raid. (laughs) Yeah. uh, God, there's a whole history about how that was probably the one religious moment in my life. I was like, I had this old camera sitting on the desk. I hadn't used it in months. I didn't know if it had a memory card. I didn't know if it was charged or something was like, grab me. And I did. And thank God I did because no one would have believed me. And of course, every single one of the body cams, except for the officer who never came inside the house, were malfunctioning that day. Oh, of course. Yeah, they always malfunction. Over a dozen officers came into my house and not one of their body cameras were operational that day. That's so weird. Yeah, go figure. But uh, and it's, it's hard like, when everything that. happened with my son. And I said, like, this is the state's involved with this. There's no possible way. I know it. I know what they're like. I know what they're capable of doing. I know they're involved with this. And I got shit because I could not immediately prove it. Then we got emails between the governor's press secretary and the sheriff's office proving that they were in on it. And mm-hmm. I actually, the Daily Beast let me write something for them and saying, when something breaks, And you have somebody who's been provably, demonstrably retaliated against by the subject of the article over and over again. Assume that she's telling the truth until proven otherwise, because right now it just sounds like you're giving anonymous Twitter trolls who operate 100 different accounts the benefit of the doubt of being right. And clearly, just like in this time, they they lied. There are yeah. still people who will flat out lie to people about the video and what it shows on my house. You'd be like, oh, right. I didn't show that. And then you'll link it to it and be like, yeah, but it doesn't really. And they're like, it's a video. We have hit the 1984 phase where they're telling you to not believe. Yeah, you can't believe what you see. Your own eyes. And it's insane, but. We have. But I think that's the point. That's what I want to drive home to everybody today is that comfortable position that we had in the United States where we could have faith in our government, right? That we weren't going to be persecuted, that this couldn't happen here. It's happening here. It's happening in Florida. It's happening in other places. But I feel like Florida being the laboratory of autocracy has opened up this huge opportunity for anybody within the DeSantis circle that wants to get ahead, that wants to start to oppress and put down opposition. This is happening and has been happening on a lot of different levels here. And we need to see it. We need to see it. We need to believe it. And we need to think of ways to protect ourselves. And like you said, to stand behind people who are the victims of this type of persecution. So we just got some breaking news that you probably will have heard by tomorrow. And... The who signed this? It's a demand for an investigation into Ron DeSantis, signed by three different members of Congress on the Judiciary Committee, 
and demanding an investigation and a public hearing into Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' alleged mishandling of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which we were just discussing, that apparently ranges from voter intimidation, the raids on the illegal voters. I'm still reading this right now because I just got it. Claims of voter fraud and other things are on here. It also includes trafficking of legal migrants in which they pulled over vehicles that officers suspected migrants in them, photographed migrants boarding buses in Jacksonville, followed them to their destination. Members within FDLE raised concerns that complying with these orders may violate the civil liberties of migrants, particularly as none were suspected of committing crimes outside of their legal status. And so there's also, there's two more graphs in here. It also mentions how the governor has used the law enforcement agency to go after his political opponents and other violations. It's something about tripling the size of the Florida State Guard and its yep. budget. Yep. And it ends with whether it is seeking to disenfranchise voters, violate civil liberties, or dig up political dirt, the FDLE under Governor DeSantis's direction requires oversight by this committee. They call on you to immediately open an investigation and schedule a public hearing to fulfill our constitutional duty and thoroughly examine these serious allegations. This letter was just submitted today wow. to the House Judiciary Committee. That That's is huge. On, yes. This, Congress is saying that the law, state's law enforcement agency is so out of hand that they need to be regulated by the congressional body. I don't they're know. doing the bidding of DeSantis. Yes, specifically for his political purposes. This just, I just got it. That's so. huge. I think that's a really necessary step too, because one thing that I worry about is I'm, and this is using like my little public administration hat too. What I see DeSantis doing is preparing for secession. I think that he has been. I have said that. Many times. Yep. He's lining up. Or He's pulling out of federal. 2020 type caliber. Yep. Pulling out of federal institutions, pushing through legislation that is flagrantly against the federalist model and against the constitution. And yeah, basically using the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and that new National Guard thing that he wants as his own private army. So basically he's like setting these things up so that there is an actual armed defense ready for when Florida wants to. That's, that's my analysis of that. I hope I'm wrong, but that's definitely a concern of mine. So I applaud this investigation. Yeah, this is a pretty big deal. And I'm probably going to speak at that public hearing as somebody who knows about it with video footage that we have sent, just discussed. Great. But yeah, that is that is huge. I have to look up to reference to see how often a police force, a state police force has been called into congressional inquiry post civil rights era, which I'm sure happened all the time. But the specific accu accusations within here include election manipulation and fraud, uh, human trafficking, political retaliation, which of course was something that I experienced at the hands of FDLE. Oh, they were the people. What we're talking about with Andrew Gillum. Yes. All kinds of events. They do mention Andrew Warren and uh, several other instances. It's just, this is a big deal. This is huge. And hopefully you guys will be hearing this the day after it will have caught on by now. And we, since we were talking about the state being used as political retaliation is especially poignant. 
And I well, heard that we're not the only ones who think this and yes, see it. was originally written by Glenn Ivey, who's the fourth district of Maryland, but it was also signed by Sheila Jackson Lee and Steve Cohen, both are members of Congress on the Judiciary Committee and uh, sent to ranking member Jared Nadler, as well as the honorable and quote Jim Jordan. So I have a copy of the letter here. So this is huge. It's good news. Maybe I'll finally get to talk about the impact that this has had on my life. But uh, yeah, so wow, that's incredible. I can't, sorry. I normally am not distracted with Twitter stuff, but I just got the email of the letter. And so that was, that's uh, huge. I had to pay attention to that. So we'll have to see more too. Sure. We're going to hear more on that as well. Yes. There's a lot of people who I think have a lot of say in what that's done. I would hope that all of the people that were rated who received valid voter identification cards and exercised their right to vote legally, or so they thought, will speak there. I'm sure Andrew Warren, the other prosecutor in Orange County, who I think he's been going after recently. I think it was Orange County. There's another one. It was one like now. a Broward school super board, school board candidate he withdrew to. Yes, that one. And a bunch of other people like myself. So this is, uh, wow. Hopefully it will actually result in something. You can't be hopeful when the House controls is under the control of the Republicans, but Jim Jordan and them are heavy Trumpers and they hate DeSantis or for now until Trump is gone. Maybe there will be some potential hearings on it. Who knows? But if I get the opportunity to speak about the weaponization of the Florida State Police, I will absolutely take that. Then. Holy crap. So that's just happened literally while we were recording the session. So if you've read it by now, then, you know, it may take a few days for this to become breaking news. We hope not. And if it still hasn't broken as a big story, guess what? You just heard about it. So you heard about it when it happened. Yeah. Real time, real time reaction. That's like super distracting now. And I don't think I can focus on it. (laughs) We can just call it a day then too. I think we were going to talk about, we mentioned Enrique Tarrio and his conviction. He was found guilty of seditious conspiracy. On the same day, Andrew Gillum, who he set up, was found not guilty. And I'm sorry, I'm a person who believes in the spiritual realm existing in some way, bending towards justice. So I have to think that was related. I hope so too. And... That, that was a huge deal. And I, I want to throw in here just because it's relevant to me here in Southwest Florida. Also, yesterday, two days ago now, the Proud Boys member of the Hurricane Coast Proud Boys, Christopher Worrell, was found guilty of obstruction of justice and of violence against police officers. He was guilty of seven of the 19 charges they had put up against him. He was the one that was in the January 6th video, bear spraying the police officers. He is one of the people who's been tormenting me here in Southwest Florida. Him and Milkshake, who is Daniel Scott, who was the first person to break the police line in going into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He was also a Hurricane Coast Proud Boy. He pled guilty recently to the same obstruction and to violence against police officers. So the, there's been several Proud Boys who have been going down. And I think that it's very important that everybody who is related to January 6th and the attempt to disrupt our election be held accountable. I agree. And especially when it comes to these people who basically made, what do they call it? What are they 
say when you've paid your dues to become higher up in like a crime organization. I know there's like an initiation where I know I'm a dork. I don't know about any of these things. All right. I'm not in a criminal enterprise. However, like mobsters get to the next level kind of thing. These people did that by harming and really harming, hurting people just for kicks and to be promoted to the next higher level. So what Christina Pusha did to me, stalking and harassing me for months and then to get her mm-hmm. job with DeSantis. It's sick and they're not great people. So anytime well, that they get caught is fantastic. Yeah. Proud Boys have been saying they're openly fascist. The newspapers are calling them neo-fascist white supremacist organizations. That is absolutely what their core is. And so I don't know. I'm hoping that the sentencing will put these folks behind bars for a while, but it's not like they're going away. This is not, this is not the end of the proud boys. This is not the end of the neo-fascist movement in the United States. In fact, it's, this is just the beginning. And I think that's frightening. (laughs) That's frightening to know that this is the beginning that, and there's a long road. There's a long road just to fight back against these groups and their desire to overthrow the government. And in Ron DeSantis case, it's to consolidate power. And in Trump's case, it's to steal the resources of the United States in a kleptocratic kind of way. But they're both of the mind to undermine the United States government as it is and to undermine democracy. Heck, we got, was it Tommy Tuberville was talking about how we shouldn't even have democracy. People should be fighting against democracy. And this is a very frightening time for people who want freedom and democracy and believe that's an important pillar of our country. And I think we just got to keep rooting ourselves in the right place to keep fighting for it. Absolutely. And I'm going to see what I can do to rally the troops for a potential hearing. Assuming one happens, that would be, I think, a great opportunity for people like me and the voters and others. How about live from D.C.? That would be amazing. Seeing as I am going to be living there very soon, that would be great. Might have to fly up there just for this though, which would be good because I could sign a lease in person at one of these places instead of doing all these virtual tours. But at any rate, I'm excited for this. I hope that it pans out. I'm hoping that Trump can use his influence on his cronies to try to undermine DeSantis by actually holding a public hearing about the savior here. It's weird. It's icky and it's weird. I know. It's weird. If you were to see my inbox... It's like Democratic heroes mixed with like Laura Loomer and Lev Parnas and all these other people. And I sent it to one of my journalist friends and he was like, I was like, this is like an alternate reality that I'm living in. And he just thought it was hilarious. Just the juxtaposition <laughs> of different people. Some who like just hate each other. Enemy of my enemy. All right. Yeah, great. So I, you want to just not. I yeah, let's like- end it here. We will talk about. Next week's a special episode because tomorrow marks the one year anniversary that I was told that I could either resign or I would be terminated for threatening to file my whistleblower complaint. And by the time we get around to next week, it will have been the anniversary of the date in which DeSantis publicly named me as the whistleblower and attacked me. And then I was officially fired. All right. Fun stuff. And uh, today ended up taking a very unexpected turn there at the end, but relevant to what we were discussing before. Absolutely. This will be interesting to watch. Hopefully it actually goes somewhere. Yep. 
Thanks so much for joining us and sharing the information, Rebecca Jones, Miss Informational. I've been the trustworthy co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier, and this has been Miss Informational with Rebecca Jones on Big Mouth Media. Don't forget to get your subscription, $4.99 a month, $49.99 a year for Miss Informational, or you can get everything we have at Big Mouth Media for $19.99 a month, and you will help keep independent media alive, and so you get the real story of what's going on in Florida and around the country. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.